I'm Nigel Flynn and this is my story of how my life was turned upside down by a brain injury four years ago. I will tell you how I've been getting on with that and how it wasn't the best brain wave I ever had. Episode 24, Chasing Cars. In the early days after my discharge, I just wasn't fit for anything more than taking a nap on the sofa. I couldn't even make phone calls and going out was both difficult and unnecessary. People tended to come to visit me and I had no social life. Even the health service seemed to have forgotten about me. Every inquiry I made received a promise of a response within a minimum of two weeks and no more than six. I began to believe that there was some procedural standard in place which allowed public authorities a grace period of six weeks to do anything. But optimistically, I was often promised to reply within two weeks, but nothing was ever done until the six-week period was about to expire. There were no exceptions to this rule, and I came to anticipate such a response to every call I made. So I started to ask why, but no one was ever able to tell me why. At best, I would be told that they were allowed six weeks, which tends to fit the old maxim that works expands to fit the time allowed, or that nothing ever gets done until the last minute. I filled the time in between when I waited for the necessary letter to arrive by getting out and being seen. I had never wanted to be invisible. I had plans to be bombing this latest celebrity cripple. Going out may only have been a trip to the health centre or to Tesco's, but it was out and somewhere I could go and bump into everyone else's door frames or furniture. The best way to get noticed is to make a nuisance of yourself. I was good at that. My discharge notes had explained that I had a neurological condition known as disinhibition, or as I like to describe it, calling a spade a shovel. Doctors said that I had a sardonic sense of humour and and having lost my filters, I tended to say whatever was on my mind without any concern for the consequences. Some people might call it telling the truth. If I thought you were a prick, I would tell you. It was actually very liberating and I used it to good effect until my sister pointed out to me that I was running the risk of getting a slap in the mouth. In my defence, I reminded everyone that I had a certificate to excuse my disinhibition. It may have only been a sentence in my discharge papers and maybe not even a real word, but it became my often used trump card, especially when I encountered another admin officer who claimed that they might need to take the full six weeks to issue a simple letter. When I say I've changed for the better, disinhibition has taught me to be more patient. I was in no hurry, since I really didn't have anywhere else to go and nabbing was a very portable skill. I have met too many people with disabilities who are content to become invisible, allowing themselves to be wheeled around and occasionally have their carers do the talking for them. It's a shame really, and I would describe it as giving up and the start of a long, slow death. Get out there. Disability can be great fun if you only try. The main barrier to getting out there is your mode of transport. This can range from a wheelchair to a walking stick or a Zimmer frame to a relator or even an adapted car. I use a combination of these. I'm still allowed to drive. I have a license, but I sold my car because there's no way I would want to be out there driving among Northern Ireland's other drivers. They're mad. You could end up in a car crash that wasn't your fault and get a brain injury, and then where would you be? Nope, I've given up driving, and I've bought myself a little mobility scooter. It has a top speed of four miles per hour, requires no road tax or insurance, and I can drive it on the footpaths and park it anywhere. 
Kids look at it with great admiration and even some adults have asked for a go on it. I guess I'm supposed to say that it's been a great benefit to my independence as I can nip out at any time without relying on taxis. Previously a pint of milk was costing me around £6. I'm told that the local taxi drivers have bemoaned the loss of one of their best customers. My biggest concern with the scooter has been the loss of battery charge and punctures. Just another minor complaint about society's many accessibility barriers. Yes, you may all be delaying buying that new electric car because of your dissatisfaction with an inadequate provision of charging points. But what about my scooter's charging needs and the fact that quick fix don't do 8-inch tyres? I've had to become very spatially aware and conscious of the amount of room that my scooter and me take up on the pavements and shopping aisles. I guess it's that invisibility thing that I'm always going on about. I'm forever holding back and letting others pass, but when people make way for me, I'm good at saying thank you. Us disabled people have to be very grateful for the kindnesses of others, you know. I just wish that others were spatially aware as, as aware as they should be, especially those fat women who like to stop for a chat in doorways. I use a relator when I'm inside the house or travelling in someone's car. I have both a three-wheeled one and a four-wheeled one. I hate it, but it does the job well. By that, mean, by that I mean it stops me falling over after I take a wobbly fit. Full use of a walking stick has become a bit of an ambition, but I need a lot of practice on a classy, sophisticated stick before I use it in one of the pubs. I used to admire men with cool walking sticks, seeing them more as a fashion accessory or a weapon rather than a necessary walking aid. I'm now building up quite a collection of my own. I used to think that being overly dependent on any type of walking aid was an admission of defeat and a sign that I'd stopped trying to recover. Hence my reason for delaying the purchase of my mobility scooter until the third year of my recovery. But I love it now and I can still continue to work on my walking stick skills. It's a bit like that Japanese martial art with a big bamboo cane. You know the one where you use two sticks to eat raw fish? This has been my own production on Anchor. All rights and permissions are reserved by Nigel Flynn Media. A written version of all 35 episodes is available in print via Amazon. I'd like to thank Mel McCart for letting me use his original music, Paddy McGill for helping me with the graphics, and Elian Raub for giving me the original idea. You can find me on Twitter on at Nigel underscore Flynn.